charged lemonade, which has more than three, more caffeine than three cans of, of Red Bull, according to a lawsuit filed by her grieving family. It was Sarah Katz, was a 21-year-old University of Pennsylvania student last year when she, she suffered cardiac arrest hours after purchasing the lemony beverage according to court documents filed in Philadelphia Court of Common Pleas on Monday. Katz, who had a heart condition called long QT syndrome type 1, a heart signaling disorder where heartbeats can be fast and chaotic, she avoided energy drinks per her doctor's recommendation. Her college roommate, Victoria Rose Conroy, also told NBC that Katz was very, very, very vigilant about what she needed to do to keep herself safe. Uh, I, she says, and I quote, I guarantee if Sarah had known how much caffeine this was, she never would have touched it with a 10-foot pole, Conroy told the outlet. And so Katz ordered the charged lemonade as part of a meal at a Philadelphia Panera on September 10th without realizing that it contained 390 milligrams of caffeine. Again, more than three times a Red Bull. And so a lawsuit says that she was reasonably confident that it was a traditional lemonade or electrolyte sports drink containing a reasonable amount of caffeine to keep her safe. On that same day, she suffered that cardiac arrest and the family's attorneys accused Panera Bread of failing to provide warning, failing to provide warning of any potential dangerous side effects on blood pressure, heart rate, or brain function. Now, I will say that I am not, I haven't been called to the stand, but I would say that I, I'm in agreement with the family on this one because I went to Panera just with my daughter, probably, I don't know, six weeks ago maybe, and I walked up to the strawberry mint lemonade and said, man, that sounded good, and I tried a little bit, tasted good, so I filled up my cup, and I was getting ready, and my daughter, thank the good Lord of heaven, said, Dad, do you know that that's a charged lemonade? And I was like, charged? I already paid for it. You know, I'm confused what you're talking about here. She said, it's a charged lemonade. She's like, it has, look at the amount of caffeine in it. And I totally, it says charge and says the number on the bottom, but I totally missed it. Now, as somebody who, I don't drink coffee. Everybody, like I go to, a minute, I was just at minister's meetings and there was a coffee bar and they're like, let's go get a coffee. I was like, I'll walk with you, but I don't drink it. I'll go get one for my wife. I don't drink coffee. Um, Chad makes fun of me because if I drink a Mountain Dew at, 7.30 at night, I probably will be up for a while. So I try not to drink. If I'm going to drink a soda late with some pizza, because pizza has soda, they go, they go together. You can't have pizza without soda. If you think differently, you're wrong. It's just you have to have pizza with soda. And so um, if you're confused, that's also pop, just in, for some people. But uh, if I was to drink that charged lemonade, I, I would not have slept probably six weeks till today. I probably would still be awake. But, uh, but today I just want to talk to you. It's kind of, kind of weird, you know? Sometimes God gives you a message just so powerful, a word for the church, a vision, direction. And sometimes God just gives you a message that might just be for one person. It's a lot easier to preach a message that's kind of geared at the whole church. And I don't know who this is geared at. It might be one online, one in here today in person. But God's just preaching. He wants to tell somebody, one, at least one person, this. And I just want to talk on this topic. It's called warning. Warning. Jesus, we love you. We're honored to be in your presence. You're powerful. I just started to just use adjectives for you. You're just... Just words don't describe how much we appreciate you. You're so good to us, Lord. And we're so honored to be in your presence. We don't take this for granted that we walk into this building and you're here. Your presence is here. Your power, your anointing, what we feel, Lord, the connection that we have. It, we, we don't take that for granted, God. Thank you, Lord, for being interested in a relationship with us. 
God, I pray that help me to get out of the way today and that for these next few moments, you'll just talk to your church, talk to whatever individuals online or in person need to hear this message, God. In your name we pray, amen. You know, we don't, probably don't think about it too much, but our world is filled with warnings. They become second nature to us. Even our roads are filled with warnings. I hope everybody knows this, new drivers. Yellow triangle means what? There are hazards, there are warning signs. And so diamond-shaped signs, I'm going to give you, because I, I, I was shocked when I moved to Missouri, they don't require driver's ed. Mind-blowing. Okay, Wisconsin, you have to go through driver's ed. I had to take a, I still remember the guy that drove me around in driver's ed. He was an older guy with white-black hair mix. It was long, curly hair, and he ran a rock band called Little Blue Crunchy Things. And he would always invite us in the car to come to one of his band's performances. He didn't play. He was the manager. But all I know is he had a break on his side. His car was donated by a local car repair, not repair place, not yet, but a car dealership. And he could hit the brake if he wanted to. And you couldn't get a license without going through driver's ed driving. So here, I guess it's optional. All my kids will be going through driver's ed training, first with dad and second through another professional. And so roadway signs in the United States increasingly use symbols more than words to convey messages. Why is that? Well, depending on what language you speak, you can still understand a symbol, and it can be in multiple languages. It doesn't have to speak. To be in German or Swedish or, or French or it could be in, it's just, it's an image. And so symbols provide instant communication, overcoming language barriers. You look at just the, just the colors. I don't know if you know this. This is good. See, it's not required. Drivers, we're going to do driver's head right here on Sunday afternoon at 245. So the color of roadway signs is an important indicator of the information that it may contain. The use of red signs is limited to stop, and it's a prohibition sign. So if you ever heard that the white border around a red stop sign is optional, that doesn't, it's not what that means. You have to stop. The white border does not mean it's optional. A white background indicates it's a regulatory sign. Yellow conveys, conveys a, a general warning message. And so green shows permitted traffic movements or directional guidance. Fluorescent yellow-green indicates pedestrian crossings in school zones. Orange is used also a warning. That's for roadway or work zones. Coral is an incident management sign. Blue indicates road user services, tourist information, and evacuation routes. And brown is for guidance to sites of public recreation or cultural interest. There's actually one in Wisconsin, which I'm getting ready to go on a plane. I probably can't preach too long. i got to get a plane. I'm heading to my grandma's funeral in Wisconsin right after I'm done here. So good news for you is I can't preach as long as I'd probably like to. But um, there's a famous brown sign, probably for the wrong reasons, but it's between where I live, like Milwaukee and Kenosha area in Wisconsin. And it is a national state park, and it says Bong Recreation Area. That's not what you think it is. I don't know who chose that name, but it's actually sold in tourist t-shirts and stuff. But it's a genuine place that is not associated with what you're thinking. But sign shapes point to things. Sign shape can also alert roadway users. Traffic regulations are conveyed in signs that are rectangular with longer direction, vertical or square. Additional regulatory signs are octagons for stop and inverted triangles for yield. Diamond-shaped signs signify warnings. Rectangular signs with longer horizontal direction provide guidance information. Pentagon signs indicate school zones, and a circular sign warns of a railroad crossing. Everybody, can we hand out the test now? If you cannot pass this test, they've asked me to take your license today. We see warnings in all other kinds of ways, too. There's a Surgeon General warning on a box of cigarettes. 
And that ro- the, the, the warning can rotate. I think they use like four in, in, in four or five, if I remember right. But it rotates per what box of cigarettes you buy. This one says, smoking causes lung cancer, heart disease, emphysema, and may complicate pregnancy. A next sign, warnings on roller coasters. Anyone ever see this before? Can you read it back there? It says, uh, it says it's a high-speed roller coaster that has sudden and dramatic acceleration and dropping. By the way, this should not describe your walk with God. The movement of the vehicle also includes spinning, sudden stops, strong tilting, and jarring actions. Failure to follow posted guidelines may result in serious injury or expulsion from the park. Persons with the following conditions should not ride. Heart conditions or abnormal blood pressure. Back, neck, or similar physical conditions. Expectant mothers. Motion sickness or dizziness. Medical sensitivity to strobe effects. Medical sensitivity to fog effects. Recent surgery or other conditions may be aggravated by this ride. To avoid serious injury, remain seated at all times, keeping hands and feet inside the vehicle. Supervised children's prosthetic limbs should be secured or removed to prevent hazards or loss. Now if I put, you put your, I, I was just, I forgot who did it, put their sunglasses on top of their head. They said, sir, that needs to come off or put on your face. I think it might have been Brother Foster. He's not here today. Um, he did survive the roller coaster. He's just on a trip with his, his wife. But um, then there's warnings on power tools about using eye protection or ear protection. It'll say, understand the tool labels. This can cause death or serious injury. Operators and others in work area must wear safety glasses. I always kind of chuckle to myself. Why? Because we ignore a lot of warnings. If I'm going to use a cordless drill and it tells me to put on safety glasses, anybody ever do any work at a construction site? There's at least probably 30 of you. What happens if your buddies are like, you go, hang on, don't drill that screw in. I got to put my safety goggles on. <laughs> I, I don't think you're going to be on the job long because they're going to run you off the work site. And then there's by pools. It says, don't dive head first. Shallow warning. No diving. Shallow water. You can permanently be injured. You buy toys today, and all kinds of toys, it'll say, warning, suffocation, choking hazards, small parts, not for children under three. You see things about suffocation hazard when, when stuff comes with bags. Bag sacks. Bag, 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 sack. Whatever you say in your neck of the woods. Go shopping with a cart or with a buggy. Get a soda, a Coke, or a pop. Whatever do you. Call it a water fountain or a bubbler. You didn't even know. See, you didn't even know. I could go on and on and on and on and on and on, but I got a, I got a plane to catch. So warnings are everywhere. Many of these things are the law of the land. Some are put there for companies to avoid lawsuits, while others exist because people care. Parents will warn kids and will say, don't run in the house. Has anyone ever said, don't run in the house? Does anyone have kids that have never ran in the house? And just praise God if that's you. Or you'll say, careful, someone's, someone's going to. Someone's going to get hurt. And then when they fall and get hurt, depending on what parent you are, some will go check on the child first and say, I told you so later. And some will say, I told you so right away. And then check on the child after. I won't say which one I am. (laughs) Warnings often exist because someone else before you experienced the unpleasant effects or tragedy of these things. There's a reason why a cup of hot coffee says, caution, coffee is hot. (laughs) 
Nobody said, hey, let's put a sign in this cup that says coffee's hot just in case. That came after the fact. Okay? If it says avoid pouring coffee on your crotch area, you would think, you know, that's probably a given. But that sign exists because someone somewhere warnings. God gave us his beautiful, beautiful word. You can take that down or they won't be able to concentrate. God gave us his beautiful word. And part of the reason he did that was not only to teach us and to train us, to instruct us and provide salvation, but he also gave us his word to help us not make the mistakes that others have made. You know, scripture says, the Old Testament prophet, Zechariah, says this, I, the Lord, was very angry with your ancestors. Okay, interesting. Therefore, because of this, because I was angry with your ancestors, here's what I'm going to say. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says, return to me and I'll return to you. He says, don't be like your ancestors. Guess what? They got me angry, so don't be like them. Who would not listen or pay attention when the earlier prophets said to them, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says, turn from your evil ways and stop all your evil practices. He's like, your ancestors got me annoyed. Don't do what they did. I sent prophets to warn them. They ignored the warnings. So don't be like them. Then the apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 10. He says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about your ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by the cloud that moved ahead of them. Who's he talking about? He's going all the way back to the Old Testament. There's a pillar of fire, a cloud that guided Moses and the Israelites. He says, all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. We know very clearly who he's speaking about. In the cloud and in the sea, in case you didn't know, he says, all of them were followers of Moses. Some of you are already like, are you sure? There you go. All of them ate the same spiritual food. All of them drank the same spiritual water. They drank spiritual rock that traveled with them. The rock was Christ. Interesting. Can I just pause there and go, how could the rock of the Old Testament be Jesus Christ unless... God of the Old Testament was Jesus Christ. Interesting. It's a little oneness of God plug for you. Yet God was not pleased with most of them. And their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. That's a word picture. Well, okay. These these things, he says in verse 6, happened as a warning to us. Wait a second, you're talking about something thousands of years ago, and you're telling me, Paul, that these things happened as a warning to us here in the New Testament church so that we wouldn't crave the same evil things they did. The worship of idols as they did, as Scripture said, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking. They they indulged in pagan revelry, and we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Talk about a tragedy. 23,000 of God's people in one day because of sexual immorality. Nor should we put Christ to the test as some did and then died from snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did and then were destroyed by the angel of death. And this is what Paul ends this part. He says, these things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down. Why? To warn us. Something thousands of years ago happened, and I am called to write this down to you, New Testament church, so that it will warn us to not be like them. So many accounts in Scripture warn us, not just to share nice stories, not just to give curriculum to Rock Church for their rotational teachers down there. No, Adam and Eve... Genesis 2.15, the Lord God placed man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of every tree in the garden, 
except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat the fruit, you will surely die. God did not want to destroy Adam or Eve or anyone else. God's will was for Adam and Eve to walk with him in the garden, to continue with him, to befriend him, to to be eternal beings. That was his plan. God was warning Adam so that Adam could make sure, from what I can see in Scripture, Eve certainly knew, it seems like, but God did not warn Eve. He warned Adam. Adam was called to be the priest of his home, the keeper of his home, to be the protector of his home. Men, we are thankful for incredible wives that live and help raise children, invest in the home and do that. But God has called you to protect that home and make sure that godly principles are allowed in that home. Adam would prioritize walking with God and not in the flesh. That's why God warned him. But Adam allowed flesh to impact him, his wife, and in turn, it impacted his children. Look at Cain and Abel, Genesis 4. It says, why are you so angry? God accepts Abel's offering, denies Cain's offering. And he says to Cain, God says, why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you just do what's right. Meaning what? I gave you something to do. You're not following it. Just do what I'm telling you to do and we'll be fine. But if you refuse to do right, then watch out. What is that? That's a warning. Cain, I'm coming to you right now. You're not living in obedience with me, but I'm not going to just drop you off the side of a cliff at your first mistake. I'm telling you, if you do what you need to do, we're fine. But if you're going to choose not to, Cain, here's a word of warning. You better watch out because sin is going to be knocking at your door and you must subdue it or it's going to be your master. So if there's certain things that we allow to hang out outside our door and continue to knock and say, well, just lock the door, leave them out there. If there's a robber or burglar trying to get in my house, I am not just going, it's fine, he's outside, just lock the door. One of a few things are going to be happening and none of them are good. I'm not going to bed with a robber on my porch. And so one day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go in the fields right after God says, just do what's right. But if you're not careful, sin's knocking at your door. If you don't subdue it, it's going to be your master. I want to be your master. That's why I'm warning you. But if you don't listen to me, sin's going to be your master. And the very next verse, Cain says, Abel, let's go for a walk in the field. And he kills his brother, the first murderer in Scripture that we can, can, we can understand here. Cain didn't, he ignored the warning. Instead, listened to the flesh. Hebrews eleven seven says, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood, and he obeyed God. Why did he obey? How did he know? Because Scripture says God warned him. God warned him. He warned him about things that had never happened before. And so by faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world. He received the righteousness that comes from faith. That's why we teach all the time. How was Noah saved? Was it God's grace or his obedience and his faith? It's a trick question because it's all three. Noah, it had never happened before. Noah does not wake up and go, honey, wake up. We got to build a 450 foot long boat. She'd be like, what's a boat? It's a boat that's going to float on water. Why? Because it's going to rain. What's rain? Like, this is a confusing conversation. But God says, Noah, I'm getting ready to destroy the earth, and you're the one that's found grace in my eyes. Why? Because we have a relationship. And so because of my grace, I'm going to tell you what my plan is. Here's my word of warning. You now have a choice in faith to respond positively or negatively to what I'm telling you. This has never happened before. And sometimes God doesn't take previous precedent. He comes to you with a word that he hasn't given anybody else. Will you trust him? Or will you go, that doesn't make any sense. He says, now, are you going to believe or will you not? A lot of churches today say, just believe and you're saved. That's not biblical. Faith is the starting point. If Noah would have said, I believe, thank you, I'm going back to bed, he would have died in a flood. But because of his belief, God's grace said, here's my plan. He said, I believe, now it's time to get out of bed and go to work and obey and build the boat. 
But it all started because God warned him. And his warning was called grace. And humanity continued on. And so did God's warnings. Second Kings 17, it says, they offered sacrifices on all the hilltops, just like the nations the Lord had driven from the land ahead of them. Meaning even though they were walking in this world, God's people, the Israelites, the people who had given a promised land to and he had protected and guided and led by the pillar of fire and the cloud, the people who he had provided water from the rock and they walked through on dry ground, these wonderful people of God, and they had gone back and instead of taking over the land and saying, this is now, we now pursue God and he's given us the promise, they say, you know what, we want to do it just like the people ahead of us. So in God's people, let the world influence them instead of them influencing the world. You live in a world that you're living countercultural, but sin's knocking at your door. And so they, the people have Israel had done many evil things, arousing the Lord's anger. Verse 12, yes, they worshiped idols despite the Lord's specific and repeated warnings. God of heaven. We read this and go, what's wrong with them? My goodness. And how many specific and repeated warnings has he given his church right now? It's easy to read these stories and go, yeah, that's pathetic. That's terrible. What's wrong with them? My goodness. Oh, if they would have just listened. I can't believe after all God did for them. And I could only imagine that if we could compile the story of your life and the way that he met you at an altar and you repented of your sins and you got to go on and they, you got to experience things they never got to experience. Matter of fact, you, get, you don't just have to work through Moses or a high priest. You get to go to God yourself and talk to him and he washes away your sins and he died on the cross for your sin and you can call on the beautiful name of Jesus to have those sins washed away. Then he says, I'm gonna put my spirit inside of you so I'm not just leading you by a pillar of fire out in the middle of nowhere, but the pillar of fire now is in you. It sat upon each of them. And I think if we put your story on an account and my story on an account and we flashed that a couple thousand years down the road, we'd have a group of people reading that going, wow, after all that, what's wrong with them? It says, despite the specific and repeated warnings again and again, the Lord sent prophets to warn them. Turn from your evil ways. Obey my commands and decrees. The entire law I've commanded your ancestors to obey. I gave you through my servants and my prophets. But the Israelites, verse 14, would not listen. They were as stubborn as their ancestors. You know when your parents drive you crazy, you're probably just like them. They refused to believe the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees and the covenant that he made with their ancestors. They despised all his warnings. How often do we despise warnings? Growing up, I got, there was, a, from kindergarten on, kindergarten, it started with six goodie badges. It was just nails in a whiteboard with your name and dry erase here, and then you had a little smiley goodie badge. And, and, and I was overall a pretty good kid, but I like to talk a lot. <laughs> Man, I went into the right profession, I think. <laughs> pretty much, I got good progress reports. The one thing that it said over and over and again, every progress report... Gary tends to talk too much. I just wanted to share my life with people, you know? And so I would get a goodie badge taken off. And I knew I had time. 
I had six of them. But when it came down to like one, I was like, <gasps> because way back then, you're never going to believe this. But in kindergarten, when you got the sixth goodie badge, Sister Barch, who was a very elderly lady that taught kindergarten, had a boat oar that was broken in half. And you got a spanking with half a boat oar. I remember my pastor used to tell stories, and I was like, dear God, I've never, he's, how old is this man? And now they're doing the same thing to me, because you'd be sued for everything you own if that happened today. Now, I want you to know, I never was spanked at school, not by my teacher, at least, maybe by my mom or dad, but not by my teacher. I remember my good friend Craig got it, and we were all looking in the window right there, just trying to watch him, a big old boat or... Am I telling the truth, Roll? I'm telling the truth. You never got a spanking from Sister Barch, all right. <laughs> Thank God. But you see, there were warnings, and you knew, no, I didn't enjoy getting my name called out in front of the class. Gary, I, even in high school, there was no longer goodie badges, no longer spankings, but I still was talking. And would be like, uh, Gary, I'm going to have to, that's your warning. And I'm like, oh. You know, but scripture tells us the specific reason that God sent prophets to Israel and Judah was this. He said to warn. These days, practically everything we buy seems to carry some kind of a warning. Some of these warnings are just outright ridiculous. Like I said, hey, you buy a cup of hot coffee, it's hot. Warning, these peanuts you're eating may contain nuts. You just kind of read that and you're like, what? I mean, I know we're dealing with a lot of processed food, but what else could it contain? NyQuil, nighttime sleep aid, warning, may cause drowsiness. Well, Okay. A household do-it-yourself drill, not intended for use as a dentist drill. I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures, I guess. So I want to take a moment and just warn you about the greatest danger of warnings. Let you catch up there. Hang on. Warn you about the greatest danger of warnings. Because so many warnings seem almost absurd that the danger comes in the fact we just ignore them all. Every year as storms hit, ice storms, tornadoes, hurricanes, etc., they hit our country all over. And there are always a handful of people, maybe us too, who ignore the warnings. Go to your basement, there's a tornado warning. Honey, I'm going outside for a few minutes. I can't even make fun of you because I think I want to be a storm chaser sometimes. Take shelter, evacuate, hurricane's coming. But some don't do it because this has happened before. It happens all the time. I have experienced driving in the winter, so I'm sure I'll be fine to go out. Tornadoes, sirens go off all the time, and nothing ever happens. They've said to evacuate for hurricanes before. It's a big hassle. We leave, and nothing ever happens. It reminds me so much of when Peter tried to warn us about not getting laxed or lazy concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ. He writes in 2 Peter 3, he says, this is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. Why? Because some of us have lived this way a kind of a long time. And so I'm standing up here today to not only stimulate your wholesome thinking, but just try to refresh your memory a little bit. I want you to remember that the holy prophets said long ago that what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles, most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, ha, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? It's remained the same since the world was first created. 
You've been preaching. People have been preaching this forever. God's coming back. They deliberately forgot that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. He brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water, and he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when the ungodly will be destroyed. Now, we live in a time where we go, yeah, that's not happening. We're reaching people. God is good, all this stuff. But as you look around and see what's transpiring in our world and you look at the things in Israel and you go, man, God, what else are you waiting for? And he says, I am trying to stimulate your wholesome thinking and try to make you remember some things. He says, don't forget the world that we're getting consumed with is going to burn. And ungodly people will be destroyed. It's kind of a sober I'm sure when Peter writes this, it's probably as quiet as it is in here today. He says, but you must not forget this. One thing, dear friends, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years like a day. He's trying to warn believers, God is coming back. It might not feel like it right now. It might be consumed with a lot of different things. And we've been hearing this. If you've been raising this, you've heard this so many times. You've lived through some false warnings. I remember, eight years old, but I still distinctly remember 88 reasons why the rapture was going to take place in 1988. And it did not take place. So you live through enough prophetic words that don't come to pass that the next warning like this one where I stand here, if you've been raised in this, you go, no, I know. I, I, yeah, I get it. I know tornadoes can happen, hurricanes. I understand. I know we shouldn't mess with the warnings, but if it ever was time, I would go ahead and grab oil for my lamp at the last minute. Just like God warned Noah, Peter was now warning them, God's coming back, and he's not taking people who walk after their own desires. Peter's warning. So many people just don't appreciate warnings, but, uh, but warnings are, are an act of love. Jesus himself often warned of dangers ahead in Matthew 7, 13. He says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. And its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the, get, the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. And only a few ever find it. But that doesn't sound like God. He wants everybody to come to repentance. But I think the answer is found in the very next verse when it says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep. Oh, there's nothing wrong with them. But they're really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick the grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Jesus knew in the long run it was more loving to warn people by telling them the truth. God loves you. He loves every one of you, loves you here today, he loves you walk, watching online. He does not want anyone to get hurt. There's so many warnings in the Bible, and they all stem from God's love for you. The New Testament contains tons of warning passages. Some are clearly warnings about the dangers of false teachings and false teachers. Others are alert believers to the reality of trials and end-time events. Yet there are several passages that warn Christians about their own behavior, choices. They seem to imply a loss of salvation for disobedient. 
Warning after warning in the New Testament, Jesus gave a warning to false prophets and teachers. See, other New Testament passages warn believers against various sins. The book of Revelation contains several warnings regarding sinful behavior in the, in the seven churches. God warned as a bride should be without spot or blemish. So he constantly warned his churches, his bride, about how to live, how to carry herself. But herein lies the problem. God has been warning people through all of time. Old Testament, New Testament, 21st century, all of time. But even those who walk with God have continuously, over and over again for thousands of years, made choices to ignore warnings. Why? 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 Why would so many people ignore warnings? I believe that answer has many layers. Like tornadoes and hurricanes, the warnings have come so many times without any visual or measurable change transpiring. So we have been rocked to sleep. Yeah. Man, I remember hearing... Old preachers, I remember reading books. I've heard that as long as I've been alive. Number two, the misconception that since I walk with God and we're close, we're good. He knows my heart. And third, people just don't respond well to warnings. At the end of the day, I think we humans have misconceptions about warnings. And as a result, we're using the idea and the terminology improperly. If I got up today and said, church, I'm warning you. Some of you would be like, who do you think you are? I'm warning you. We take I'm warning you as like a, you stepping up to this? You hear two guys get in a fight, and he goes, don't touch me again. I'm warning you right now. That's his way of telling the other dude, we're about to throw down if you do it one more time. Because I'm warning you is, is often taken that way. But hear me right now. Warnings are not the same as threats. Warnings are done to make someone aware of the danger that lies ahead. People look at the sign that says no diving and they go, bah! hot coffee, we put it, we laugh, but you put that hot coffee, you're driving, turning the radio, looking over here, setting the GPS, responding to a call on that hot coffee sitting right here. And when it spills, you're like, oh. And that's why we all laugh. <laughs> and I guarantee you, in this room right now, there are people who have spilled coffee on their crotch. I ain't going to ask for a show of hands because that's a little embarrassing, but a couple of you did raise your hands. Thank you for your honesty. Warnings are loving, kind, and considerate. But if I get up here and say, I'm warning you, or I'm here to warn you, it sounds like a threat, and so it's almost a challenge to you as a person, and you can automatically close your ears and go, I listen. He's going to get up and say, I'm warning you. But a warning is not always like that. A warning is loving someone enough to try to get them to think about what might be ahead if they continue on their current path. Warning is being willing to take time to care enough to caution someone in your life that if you keep going on this path, you may not end up in a good spot. People could complain about warnings, but I, for one, am thankful that someone took time to warn me, to warn my dad, to warn my parents. I'm thankful for warnings when I'm dive, driving, for warnings when the Bible says, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just here. Scripture's saying, I'm going to tell you a story about somebody who lived thousands of years before you. And the reason I'm telling this, the reason this is written down is because human nature tends to stay the same. And if you don't learn from their mistake, you're going to be the one that loses out. 
Many people think the Bible's just filled with love and judgment, but it's also jam-packed with warnings. And the reason is because God wants you to know there's dangers and snares that could be on your upcoming path. Pay attention to the signs. Pay attention to the things that God's speaking. You look back, and I'm just about done, to the Old Testament after Joshua leads Israel into her land of promise. He's now laying on his deathbed, and these are the parting words of warning from an elderly man of God who, since the time he walked with Moses, he would stay around the house of the Lord. He just wanted to be near and in God's presence. He was the one who led them into their land of promise, and he writes in Joshua 23, 1, it says, the years passed, and the Lord had given the people of Israel rest from all their enemies. Joshua was now very old. It says he called together all the elders, the leaders, the judges, the officers of Israel. And he says, listen here, I'm an old man. You've seen everything the Lord your God has done for you during my lifetime. The Lord has fought for you against our enemies. I've allotted to you as your homeland, all the land of the nations yet unconquered as well as the land of Moses. We've already conquered from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. This land will be yours, not just the land we have now, but the land you're getting ready to possess. God himself is going to drive out all, of, all the people living there. He's going to give it to you. You will take possession of your, of their, your land just as the Lord God promised you. You're, it's going to be yours. If God promised you something, it's already yours. He says, but then he says this, verse 6. So be very careful. What's that? Warning. I mean, they were like, yeah, Chip, amen. Joshua, we're going to miss you. Woo, God's good. Hey, but be very careful to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instruction. Do not deviate from it. Turning either to the right or to the left. Make sure you do not associate with other people still remaining in the land. But we read a verse just a little bit that they conquered the land and did the sacrifices and followed their gods just like the people who they cast out of the land. They did the exact opposite. Don't even mention the names of their gods, much less swear by them or serve them or worship them. Rather, he says, I just imagine this elder laying on his bed. This war-torn, war-proven hero of God. As he looks at the leaders and the, and the elders and he goes, hear me. Cling tightly to the Lord your God as you have done until now. That doesn't mean just go to church, love God. It says, cling tightly. For the Lord has driven out great and powerful nations. No one has been able to defeat you. Each one of you are going to put a thousand to flight. For the God, he fights for you like he promised. And then he says, his last, he says, so be very careful to love the Lord your God. How do you be very careful to love the Lord? Either you love him or you don't. No, you be intentional. And you go, I got to make sure that in all my journey that I got to be careful to make sure I love God and cling to him. Like those Israelites, we've received promises from God. He's fought battles for us. He has more battles to fight for us. We have power to overcome our enemies, but we must heed a warning today. And that is this, be intentional to love the Lord your God. And when you turn to the very last chapter of the very last book, some of the very last words of the Bible. And it says, Revelation 22, 7 says, behold, I come quickly. Revelation 22, 12 says, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. Revelation 22, 18 to 20 says, I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away the words of this book of prophecy. God will take his part out of the book of, of the holy city. And from the things which are written in this book, he said, he which testifieth these things saith, surely I come quickly. 
His closing words in the inspired text are three times, four times, telling the churches, listen to me, word of warning, I am coming quickly. This is a warning. And so I feel to warn everybody here today, everybody watching online, two very specific things. Number one, be careful to love the Lord your God. Be careful to cling to Him and love Him with all your heart. And number two, God is coming back quickly. So make sure you are ready. Make sure that your heart is prepared. And those two things are directly coincide with one another. I got to be careful that I love God with everything in me. And I got to make sure that I'm ready because he's coming back soon. God has had me preach this message because there's someone here or watching online that you're on the precipice of decision. You've been saying, God, help me. Give me a sign. Speak to me. And God God is saying, I've given you warning sign and warning sign. And I just had the preacher preach again. You might be thinking about leaving the church, walking away from your marriage, moving away, taking the promotion, entering the relationship. You might be thinking about something right now. And for the life of you, even though it makes perfect sense, even though it's logical, God's been putting a pause on something. And something in your heart is going, my God, I just, I want to do this. It makes sense. Everything makes sense. I lay it out on paper. It makes sense. But you got to ask yourself, is this, and we've been listening to ministers, and ministers retreat talk about this, is it a good idea or a God idea? And for me, I'm going to start doing things different. It's not to be a punk or sarcastic, but if anybody comes to me and says, I need to meet with you, I need to talk with you, I need to counsel with you, my first question is going to be, have you spoken to God about it? I will not meet with anybody until you say, I have spoken to God about this. It's not that I don't want to meet with you, but as a spirit-filled believer, God is wanting to talk to you. God is wanting to direct your path. God is wanting to speak to you. And there are times I've made the same mistake when I go, well, X, Y, Z, one plus one equals two. and makes perfect sense. Let's roll. Let's run. Let's pursue. But there's a difference between a good idea and a God idea. And if your good idea is not a God idea, you gotta have, you gotta hear, take heed to the warning sign. You gotta hit pause and go, my God, I gotta get back in your presence. I gotta get back in your spirit. I gotta get back to you, oh God. I invite you right now to begin to find a place to pray in this sanctuary. God might be speaking to you right now. He might be giving a word of warning about what to do, what not to do. He might be calling you into something. But here's what I can say for every single individual. And that is these two things. Be careful to love the Lord your God. Cling to Him. And number two, God is coming back quickly. So be ready. Be ready. Make sure your family's ready. Adam and Eve, they didn't make sure their family was ready. Noah did. Peter warns us he's coming back soon. Oh, yeah. The scoffers and mockers are out there. They're going to say, where's the promise of the coming? You've been saying that forever. But God's saying, don't forget, a day for me is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. So I'm going to wrap my scripture up, my inspired text up by telling my churches, behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly.